Hello! Okay guys, so we have another person that is very near and dear to my heart here today for me to highlight during Caretober. If you guys do not know what Caretober is, this is my birthday month. Um, Carrie, October, Caretober, this is a beautiful thing. Um, and then what my goal is, is that Caretober will become like how they change it in like the calendars. It's like September, Caretober, November. <laughs> But the idea of Caretober is to where I get to highlight the people that I love and care about who have truly made an impact in my life. And this person has made such an impact in my life um, from when I first connected with her, I think now about two years ago, to um, just our evolution of a friendship that I cherish so deeply. Um, so I'm going to keep the intro and then I will bring her in and it's going to be amazing. Hey guys, Carrie here, and welcome to the Visibility Playground podcast. The podcast that shares visibility journeys of entrepreneurs and teaches listeners how to use visibility to build their brand and attract an audience of raving fans and customers. Every week, we will be bringing you stories and advice from entrepreneurs who've achieved visibility success, as well as helpful tips and strategies to help you grow and scale your business and really get it in the way that you always wanted. So join us and let's create a world where your story of your business is seen and heard. <laughs> oh my gosh, so I love Brittany so much. Um, I met Brittany, I think it was two years ago, right? It was two so. years ago at the, at the, at um, the Photo Gorgeous virtual event. Mm -hmm, I think so. It was at the Photo Gorgeous virtual event. And like, I'd already I'd seen you around because of course she had like this beautiful, like purple hair. And I was like, who is this girl with this purple hair and this picture? She is giving me life. I love <laughs> it. Like, even though I'm really excited about your your newest photo shoot, <laughs> I can't wait to talk to Erin about it. I'm just like, Erin, I have ideas. New <laughs> photo shoot, so I'm ready. Um, so I was like, I saw that, and I was just like, she is amazing. And I think it's funny. I was just talking to um, Jordan Gill, and I was telling her about. I put something out about like, it was like one of the first posts I put out about me being like, a, with me actually like sharing like my truths and being vulnerable. And you were like one of the four people that were like, Kira, you inspire me. And I was like, crap, <laughs> dang it. And I was like, I have to show up now. No, I was like, I, I, had too. <laughs> I was like, I have to show up now. I can't, I was like, I can't let her down. And literally, like, you were one of the people that, like, in the moments of, like, me feeling like, well, maybe I'll just take a moment. and Or maybe I'll, like, not do this. I was, like, I remembered your message of, like, how, like, you said that I inspired you. And it was, like, it was so, like, I just want you to know how it, how touching that was for me. Because, like, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, like, you don't know like the impact that you're really making unless somebody tells you like you can hope it and wish it and stuff like that but the confirmation of like that actually like the stuff that you're putting out into the world connect i think for me was like was really like an aha moment because i was like she sees me mm -hmm. and actually all of the posts that you were doing and stuff is one of the reasons that i was able to put myself out there and become more visible too because i was like like you were like a lighthouse. I was like, she's doing it. I can do it too. And so I really appreciate that you were visible and that you that you stuck with it and were consistent with it. 
I know, and then I like disappear for like a month. <laughs> like two months. We all we all do that sometimes, right? <laughs> we all have to go through that. <laughs> but I think for me, what was what I think the part that I've loved is like, and it's almost like even like the reel that I like shared in my stories yesterday. I was like, I love the fact that you are you are showing me this side of you that I see and that that to people close to you see, but it was like you weren't really sharing it with like everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I love it. I was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, she knows my whole life because like literally this is like, and I it's so funny because I was like, even in the thing I was like, some of the gurus say that you probably shouldn't say because that's so true. They're like, you're not supposed to say that you've been missing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I was like. Let's bump that. I've been gone. <laughs> I hope that you Don't miss me. I've been gone. <laughs> I hope that you miss me. <laughs> Please say you miss me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was it was funny because like we put it out there, and I don't even think that we put like reply to the message, but we had like eight people reply to the message, and I was just like. OMG, eight people replied to my message. That's so great. It's Crystal. She's like, Carrie, it's time for us to do all that. And I think it was just like, for me, it was just like, I just, I love you. I love you. I love your heart. I love your your kindness. And like, I think for me, like, I'm a, I am a social butterfly. And like, I put myself out there. And it's like, I think when I see you, and it's like I love how you put yourself. Like every time I meet you, like especially like in, in like um, events, like you're always so outgoing. You have these beautiful skirt. You always have a beautiful skirt. <laughs> it's like I just have the same thing every time. It makes it so easier. So much. Easier. <laughs> I was like, you always have a beautiful skirt on, and it's like you just shine like this light and this beacon. And I love it because like I just feel like what you do is so important. And I think that when most people think about someone who is like, who is an expert at emails, that they would be somebody that's more like in the shadows and like, hey, this is how you send emails or things like that. But your voice is so, so vibrant and so bright. And I just think you're just an amazing human. So I love you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Like, you're one of my closest friends. So of course you have to be in Caretober. I feel like I feel like I literally like I feel like all of my friends are like part of like Julie and Kathy's world. Like I feel like I just like pulled off the roster. I'm like I'll pull this person. <laughs> I'm like this is interesting. I was like I need to start thinking about this. Yeah. All of my friends are in this all in one place. <laughs> yeah, I get to see them at like retreats and masterminds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. How did you, so I know that you used to be a teacher. Yep. So like, let's talk, let's talk about like, what made you like be, what made you like go into the teaching profession? I feel like nobody asked you this now. Like, yeah, it's a good question. I, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do after, well, I remember even in high school, like not knowing what I wanted to do, I thought, well, maybe children's ministry. So I went into children's ministry and I was like, I don't think I like kids as much as I thought I did, which was terrifying because that was the thing that I was like, this is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. And so then I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. So I thought, well, maybe personal training. And I really like that. But I wasn't at the time. I don't think I was a self-starter enough to be able to, like, make a go of that. 
And so then I worked in my in, in the admissions office and a few other offices at my alma mater for a while until the day that, and I'll never forget this day, <laughs> I was doing data entry. I was typing away on the computer and all of a sudden this pin, like this big pin, red big pin came flying over into my cubicle. And I was like, what the heck is happening? And so I took out my earbuds because I was just like in the flow. And this person that I worked with was like, I've been calling your name, yelling your name for like five minutes. And first of all, that that's not what happened. Like, there's no way I wouldn't have heard that, you know. So, but I was like, oh, do you need something? And she was like, yeah, I need you to come over here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I walked over there and she has this big present that she, what she needed me for was to put my finger on the present so she could wrap it. So that she could put a bow around it and like finish wrapping it. And that was the day where I was like, this is not the job for me. I don't want this kind of environment. So anyway, I, I, that's when I started really seriously thinking about what do I actually want to do now that I've graduated? And so I wasn't sure. Um, and my dad was a teacher for 37 years. And I thought, well, he likes helping people. I like helping people. I want to inspire people. So this is a way for me to inspire the next generation. Maybe I should be a teacher. And that's how I got into it. Um, and I, I really liked it for a few years. Um, I was working at a charter school and we had an 80-20 rule, which was you get paid for 80%. Like 80% of what you do is what you get paid for and what's in your contract. 20% is the things that you're voluntold to do that are not in your contract um, that you're expected to go to as part of the like community, as part of the uh, like an un, unwritten rule of the job kind of thing. And that was fine for a few years. And I really like sold myself over to that profession. I was either there or thinking about being there or working on lessons from sunup to sundown every single day and the weekends. Um, but then I started to think, well, maybe there's more to life <laughs> than just working all the time. Um, and then after that, that summer that I kind of started thinking about that is when I had a cancer scare and I thought I was dying. I thought, this is my last year on earth. Am I okay with what I've done? And the resounding answer was no. And I'll never forget sitting on the vinyl, like red doctor seat or patient seat, whatever they're called, uh, as the doctor told me, you know, you have cancer and it's aggressive. It's in multiple places. And for a solid two weeks, I thought, and I was filled with like all this regret. I thought, well, all the stuff I thought I was going to do later, all the stuff I had more time for, maybe I don't have time for it anymore. What now? And so for two weeks, I sat with that. I sat in regret. I sat in, in fear and sadness and all these things until I went to a specialist who told me I did not, in fact, have cancer. It was precancer cells, and it was easily removable with a simple procedure, outpatient procedure, and that it would probably never come back again. So that was a roller coaster. <laughs> but those 12 days, those two weeks, those 12 days uh, really changed everything for me. That's when I knew while teaching is a wonderful career and it's great for some people, that I, I knew what I had known for a while deep down, but I finally was like able to admit it to myself that teaching was not the career for me. So that's my that's how I got into teaching and why I left also is, is I knew there was something else that I was supposed to be doing. I love that both of your bigger big transitions went with the question is, is there more? Mm, yeah. Which I feel like is really cool <clears throat> because I feel like always like I like to ask people that the how they got into the, the role before they got into the entrepreneurship because it's cool to see like is there a trend in that in that thought process and mm -hmm. I think for you is like is there more to this yeah 
And then I think also the the realization that there's a standard, almost like a standard of like the value that you put out into the world needs to match with the environment that you put you're in as well. Absolutely. I think the environment we're in is so important and especially for folks that are still like that are working a nine to five, but not the nine to five they want. Like there's some people that want to start a business or some people that want to have a nine to five and both are fantastic options. Um, but I think no matter what it is, whether you have a business that you're running, you are a freelancer in a business or you're working a nine to five, no matter where you're at on that spectrum. I think it's important to note that like we spend so much of our time in work. Um, and so if the environment or the tasks that you're doing are not ones that light you up and they get you excited. Generally speaking, obviously maybe a hundred percent of our days I'm going to be like that, but generally speaking, um, life is just, in my opinion, life is, well, not in my opinion, in reality, life is too short to spend time consistently on things that drain you, that, that keep you back from your highest self. I love that because I think for me, I remember, um, I want to say it was in, it was college. It was one of the summers of college, and it was around the, <clears throat> it was around the time that I had just changed my major, probably for like the second time, <laughs> mm-hmm. second maybe possibly third time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember sitting on the porch with my dad, and he was like, "Here, you need to start really thinking about what you want to do because you have to earn a living. You have to be able to pay for yourself and." Like, I want to say I finally switched to humanistic psychology at this time. And he was like, what are you going to do with your, what are you going to do with this degree? Because, like, he used to crack jokes and, like, get frustrated because he always, one, he called it his degree. But he was like, what am I, he was like, what classes are you taking? Because I think there was a class, there was actually a requirement that's, like, um, the art of being. Mm. And I was like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what is this? But it was like, but because I did, um, I always tell people, my degree actually is in humanistic psychology, which the school that I went to is one of the, I think it's like only like seven universities in the U.S. that offers a humanistic degree, mm-hmm. a humanistic approach to psychology. Everybody else normally does a behavioral approach. Mm-hmm. So because everything was based on a humanistic approach, it was a lot of understanding self because it was very very focused in like Carl Jung theories mm-hmm. and understanding self ego and identity so mm-hmm. a lot of the the classes were based in that uh, with, with those premises so it was always like really like um theological classes mm-hmm. and he just couldn't grasp how that was going to relate to it like a job or something mm-hmm. like he was like I don't see how this is going to teach you anything <laughs> which is funny because you probably use that a lot now don't you yeah and it's, yeah it's funny because I'm like, everybody asked me, they're like, how do you understand like archetypes mm-hmm. so well? I was like, well, literally I spent like my, pretty much my whole college career, like li- learning Carl Jung's theories and understanding, understanding humans. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think for me, like I switched my major. So I started my major um, with public, with um, political science. Mm-hmm. And I did that, um, because I wanted to, I was thinking I would go into like um, international law. Mm, because for oh, wow. me, like, I think I'm one of the rare people that had like a very clear vision of what she wanted in her life very early. Mm-hmm. But because I am such a planner, like I'm very, I'm very rigid in my plans. Mm-hmm. So when they go off the rails, it's like, it's super stressful for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, like I, I, 
my whole life was this. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a two-year degree right now in international relations and, and um, international relations and psychology. And then I have my four-year in international in psychology, humanist psychology, and international relations. Because mm-hmm. when I was in seventh grade, I was watching um, CNN Heroes, and um, there was this woman um, who runs an organization still around. It's called Mighty Nepal. And at this time, she was like 60, maybe like 65 years old. And literally, like, she was busting through, like, doors, like, saving children from human trafficking in Nepal. And I was just like, I was like obsessed. I was like, I need to know her. I need to be like her. Like, Mm -hmm. I need her meeting me. Like, this is what I I need to do. So for me, my thought process was the only way that I could carry the torch that she was carrying is to go into the United Nations and work there. Mm -hmm. So everything was geared towards figuring out a way to work in the United Nations, either starting going through the government and working my way in that way or going as a lawyer and then working my way in that way. That was always the focus. Um, but people who don't, not only really talk about it a lot, I went to military college because my dad um, was a sergeant major, uh, sergeant major in the army and he told me the only way that he was gonna pay for my college if I did military college first. <laughs> I go to military college for that too. <laughs> so uh, I went to military college, and I was um, I was planning to go um, in early commissioning program, but I got asthma, um, mm-hmm. and they pretty much were like, "Yeah, you, you got asthma. Like you weren't born with it, so it's clearly not going away. So you can't oh. commission." So then I'm looking like, "Well, what do I do in my life now?" Mm-hmm. Like all my dreams have been planted, all forged on this path. Like, what do I do now? And I think I went through this journey of trying to figure out what I wanted to do in terms of like, I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to help people shift through the way they saw things mm-hmm. and, tra- and like be able to change their perspectives. I knew that was always my thing. How can I change their perspectives? Mm-hmm. Even if, like, if I wanted to do like the international, I wanted to shift it from going from being a victim of human trafficking to being a survivor and a thriver of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Right? And helping them build their life up after that. Um, but for me, it was the same thing. Like I, I sat there with my dad and I was like, dad, you know, I don't want to work anywhere where mm-hmm. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to do any. He, I remember him, him sitting there telling me he was like, "That's not realistic." Mm-hmm. He because like my dad, uh, my dad was born in the 1950s. He was in the military for 26 years, um, and that just wasn't a normal statement for him for somebody to say, "Oh, I'm not going to do it." Doesn't make me happy because right. then you do you do the stuff that doesn't make you happy because you got to pay your bills. You got to like you. People were used to going to work because they had to. Mm-hmm. And then me, this millennial with all these idealistic dreams, mm-hmm. was like, no. And I remember, um, I always remember that story in that conversation because I remember any time that I felt that I was like, I think even this year when I sat and I was like, do I really, like, yes, I'm making amazing money, but do I love what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And, if, and now that my dad's passed, I'm like, I remember sitting on that porch telling him I would never do this. Mm-hmm. So would that mean me lying to him? Because I told him I would never do it. And he told me it, was not, it wasn't realistic. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, it's not going to be for me, daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Which is probably one of the reasons you are able to do what you want and love and stuff like that. It's it's such a beautiful gift. It is. It is, but I think it's just like, but I think it's just that that piece of just what you said about being able to uh, to look and say like, is there more? Yeah. And I think that's what I, I, I admire that about you. So like what, like, so you came into the online space and then I feel like I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to tell your story for you. because No, like, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, you came into the online space and then like, I remember you saying that you were kind of like hodgepodging all the things. Mm-hmm. All so the kind things. of talk, <laughs> you're like all the things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like, what was that? What was that introduction? Like, how did you get introduced? Like what, mm-hmm. what made it be like? Online seems interesting. Let's go there. Yeah. Um, so between all of my years of living so far, I've done like 27 different side hustles, which is like no joke. That's not an exaggeration. I actually counted 27 different side hustles. Um, part of it was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Part of it was trying to make extra money. Um, but all of them helped me figure out what I liked and didn't like in careers. And so after I had that cancer scare, I actually was a teacher for two more years and like complained. <laughs> probably a solid two years <laughs> before getting out because I was like, there's nothing else for me to do there. Like my mindset was very, very different. And so I thought, well, there's nothing else that I can do. There's nobody that wants to hire me for anything else. Um, like people will see me as a teacher and that box and only as a teacher in that box and nothing else. Um, the reason people are seeing me in that box is because I was putting myself in that box, but that's another story. Um, but I, I left when I left teaching, I had um, had a side hustle. I was freelancing for somebody uh, for a solid six months before leaving teaching. Um, and then when I left, I continued just to freelance for them. And so they would say like, oh, do you want to try this? Do you want to try that? And I was like, every time somebody said, do you want to try X, Y, and Z? I said, yes, absolutely. Especially if they had a training that I could take. So I ate up any kind of skill that I could. I would watch so many YouTube videos, read so many blog posts, like anything that I could learn, any skill that I could build, I did. And so um, when the opportunity came for me to take over more parts of that particular business, because a few people had left, they said, do you want to try and do these parts? And I said, "Okay." (laughs) And so I did those things. I was funnel building. I was helping uh, answer some customer service questions here and there. Um, I was doing some project management. I was doing some affiliate stuff. I was (laughs) writing just everything, everything that I could do. And then I freelanced for other people as well, kind of doing that same thing. And so then when I finally left that company and stopped freelancing and started like running my own business, I kind of um, I, I kind of went back to what I felt like I knew, what felt safe to me, which was doing all the things. For a while, I thought, well, nobody will want to hire me if I just focus on one thing. If I just focus on copywriting, nobody's going to hire me. Little did I know <laughs> that now today, not only am I focused on email marketing only, but even more specifically, evergreen email marketing which is like so, so, so niche down. Um, but that's really how it started with me doing all the things was that it felt like the safe place for me. It felt like I, I just didn't have that confidence in myself yet to say it's okay for me to niche down on one thing. Um, now, of course, I know that because I niche down so much, it means that I have time to read books like this one um, on the evergreen affiliate marketing. And so like how to do emails for evergreen affiliate marketing. And um, I've niched down so much that I... I am genuinely the best person on the planet (laughs) to talk about evergreen emails. Um, And that's a really, really powerful thing. But when I was doing all the things, it just, it felt like the safest option for me. Uh, And I was definitely in survival mode a lot of times. And so that's kind of where that came from. Mm -hmm. 
it's funny because I feel like the fear of the niche. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that is a scary place for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's like they're like, well, I'm scared to niche down, and I'll even say for me, I'm scared sometimes too because I'm like I always tell people like I don't really niche down in towards a area. I kind of niche down a person. Mm-hmm. Like we have a very select, a very a, a very distinct person that we work mm-hmm. with, and it's like I kind of really try to stay true to that person. Yeah. Um, but even like in the niching, like me and Crystal have been having conversations and she's and we're like, should we niche down? And I'm like It's it's a big decision because you're like, well, what if I make the wrong choice? What if I go into the wrong niche? What if I get bored? That was a big concern for me. I was like, I'm gonna get so bored doing one niche and like I'm gonna run out of things to say and I didn't and I'm not bored of it. But I do know now that it's at least for me, it's been easier to niche down and get all the systems in place. And then if I want to start another brand or do something else, I can because I have a well-oiled machine here and then I can expand a little bit. But for me, when I was trying to do all the things, I didn't have the ability to go deep on really any of them. So I was just doing what I thought that I should be doing, but that might be outdated. Um, But I didn't know because I didn't have enough time to go like deep on one thing. That's not the case for everybody, of course, but for me that, and for how my brain works, (laughs) that made the most sense. Okay, so, and I think one thing about you too that I want people to kind of take from this is that she didn't niche down into a certain, you don't you don't have a certain audience though, or like, um, no, uh, it's more no. of the, 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 the role that you play in it. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier, to be completely honest, it'd be a lot easier if I just niche down to one like singular person also. Um, but right now we have six different segments on our email list because we have six main people that we serve. We serve anybody from people that are just starting out, like they don't have an email list or like an, an email service provider, like Active Campaign, MailChimp, et cetera. They don't have anything like that yet. All the way to people that are making eight figures that have been sending emails for decades, but just want to send better emails that are converting higher, that are like using up-to-date strategies that work for the internet now. And so we have a very broad range of people that we serve. So that's why we have six different segments, which means that for us, I do the evergreen sequence. That means we need to have abandoned cart emails, welcome sequence, fulfillment sequence for every product. But then we also have a year long plus sequence for every single segment on our list. So it would be easier (laughs) to niche down, but I don't really want to. So I'm not. (laughs) I just want to help everybody. But the thing is like, so one thing that I'll say, and this is the, this is the conversation that I've had too with, um, with some of our clients is I'm the same way. Like we have clients from the the beginning of when they first started to like seven to eight figures. But the thing is, like, I always say that their heart is the same. Like their fears are the same. Their their um their experiences are the same. But they just might not be in the same place in their journey. Yeah. So having those different pieces, I think, is cool because then you can grow with them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I love that part. Yeah, you can grow with them in a way that you can't grow when you only offer what I call a situational experience. So if you only work with the people that are starting off, once they start off and they're done, what's next for them? Exactly. They have to go find somebody else that they know I can trust. Yep. That's kind of what we were doing with another brand that we have that my husband runs now, Life After Teaching. Uh, It's for people that want to find their path out of teaching. So like once they find their path out, they're kind of done with us. Like some, a lot of them stick around to encourage other people and stuff, which is really cool. But 
it's like for the most part they kind of move on you know yeah and i think that's the thing that a lot of people which just makes it have to be almost a volume game right because you have to make sure you're bringing in enough people to counteract the people that are, are turning out right. but if you do it the way that we're doing it where we're on their journey we just need to get them in the door and then we can we can we can hold them and keep them from back and get them in the door support them and love on them as they're in the process and we can keep them forever yeah and it's so cool right to see people grow and to be able to grow with them like it's it's such a cool experience yeah i would say that's one of my favorite experiences Mm -hmm. like just to see like because my sister is actually one of our clients and like just to see like her journey of when she first started with us to now like she's she's transforming and grown so much that's so cool like you're gonna laugh at this i think the most because i i like it's our even we laughed at it so i built i built her website about two years ago mm-hmm. um and when i built it i put at the bottom of the page let's stay connected um and i had an email thing go in but like she doesn't really publicize her website a lot, but mm-hmm. she has like a hundred. He has like he has like over a hundred k on Instagram and like a lot on. Mm-hmm. He has like a hundred and fifty k on um, on TikTok. So um, I was going through and like because we're we're doing her event and we're like yeah like once we go through this event you know we'll start really being able to start growing your email list and stuff like that and she's like yeah cool that sounds amazing I'm like yes so like. <laughs> people start paying so I went to the contact side and I found like 3,000 contacts that's amazing that's so exciting (laughs) so literally we're like we're about to send an email that says hey we didn't know you were here but we do now Mm -hmm. hey hey. Hey guys yeah (laughs) that's awesome um I didn't know that my I didn't know that Carrie added an email piece to the website. Um, so you guys have just been hanging out here with hanging out for like two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. Hello, welcome. So I, was like, I was like, I feel like Brittany is going to get a kick out of this. <laughs> yep, you're not the only one that's told me that. So you are not alone in that. <laughs> Because we're like, what is this? Because you know, like in, in Go High Love, you have to click contacts and know how many contacts you have. So I never click it because it's never been a need to look because mm-hmm. like, we didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So when we clicked and we saw over 3,000 contacts, I was like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, you're not starting from zero with the list. That's exciting. Exactly. So I'm like, now we just have to more, welcome, welcome them into our world. <laughs> yep. And then we were like, let's let's start it with the joke of like, hey, didn't know you were here. Yep. <laughs> but yep. now that we do, super excited to have you in our world. Yep. Uh, so, but was, like somebody waiting on your doorstep trying to ring the doorbell, and your doorbell doesn't work, or something like that. I know for like two years. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, literally, like she's like Carrie, like. I'm like, well, look, luckily I had a pixel already set up, so that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that was smart. Cause I just built everything, and I was like, we'll just have it here, just like in case somebody right. wants to see it. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> Lots of people. Lots of people. Yeah. Lots of tens of thousands of people yeah. went to that page, and we didn't even notice. Uh, so yeah. we, thought was, we thought it was quite interesting. 
Um, okay, so what are you like? What do you have going on now in your world? Uh, let's see. So we have a retreat coming up in January. That's our first ever writer's retreat. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be helpful because we're writing emails, but then we're also doing like salsa by the sea and like salsa dance lessons and uh, photo shoot and stuff like that, which I feel like you can appreciate as a branding person and, and visibility person is making sure we're getting those pictures wherever we're going. So I was like, I got to remember to do that. So we're doing that. Um, so we have that going on. Uh, Black Friday's coming up. So we're we're gearing up for that. Everybody's like, oh, Black Friday, it's still so far away. But it's like, I think 52 days away now. And uh, it's coming soon, especially because you want to, you know, warm up your list before. Uh, a lot of times can I see that. Can you, give us a can you give us your Black Friday secrets to the people during Caretober? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so obviously warm up your list before. Um, if you don't start now, it's going to be a lot harder once Black Friday hits, there's a lot of people that will be emailing. And this is one of the, the uh, let's see, one of the times of the year where people unsubscribe the most because they're seeing folks email them that they haven't heard from in like six months, nine months, 12 months. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, so you only want to hear from me when you have something to sell me. Unsubscribe. So it's important to start warming up your list now. Um, so the next thing I would say is uh, have subject lines that are really appealing during Black Friday. So when it does get to Black Friday emails, um, have, having the word Black Friday, Cyber Monday, deal, you or your, uh, the first letter capitalized with the first word, uh, one emoji, like those kind of things are some, some things you want to bring into it. Um, I would say other Black Friday things that you want to do is if you're working with a team, especially like even if it's just you and your VA, but uh, having a one sheet where everybody um, knows like here's the information that we need about our sale. Here's the name of sale. Here's when it opens and closes. Here's the common objections, the micro angles, like have all of that written on there because it's going to be easier for you and your team um, or even just you to remember it and not have to go back and forth uh, to have a stress-free <laughs> Black Friday instead of like being super stressed about it. Um, I would do at least one week of warm-up emails, ideally two to get everybody warmed up. Um, something else is that you can choose what kind of Black Friday sale you do. So sometimes I see people decide not to do Black Friday because they are like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so stressful. I just want to have time with my family. Like, I don't want to think about all this. And so when you're thinking is Black Friday, doing a Black Friday sale, is that the right fit for me? Um, asking yourself questions like, okay, do I want some extra cash in November? And for you, you may be like, actually, not really. I'm good. <laughs> and if that's the case, then don't do a sale. But uh, it's, do I want extra cash? Um, do I want to set myself up for December and January? So usually we use any extra cash we get, uh, we do bonuses. And then we also do usually some kind of high ticket hire in like January, December, January. And then we also know that January is usually a little bit of a lower month for us. And so we use that as like cushion for January too. So we kind of have in our mind what we already want to use, uh, what we want to do with that money. So having a sale is something that we want to do. Um, and then when you decide what you want to do, you can say, all right, do I just want to do a Black Friday sale? Like only on the day of Black Friday. If you do that, uh, usually you'll want to do a wait list. And it's only when you have like something that's high ticket, usually that's going to sell out uh, that you know for sure will sell out. So if you have like a beta of a coaching program, that's a high ticket coaching program, that'd be a great time to do that is on Black Friday because you probably do some kind of discount anyway, because it's a beta version. You could also do Black Friday through Cyber Monday. That's the most popular one. Uh, for me, if I'm doing that uh, or when I do that, I usually send an email Thursday night um, or Wednesday morning to start it and just start it early. 
and then I go through Tuesdays. Most people do Friday to Monday. So I have a little bit of cushion on either end. Um, I like that personally because it gives them a little bit more time to think about it and also a little bit more time on the back end to get past all the emails they're going to be getting on Friday and on Monday. Saturdays and Sundays are Saturday and Sunday is usually the lowest days for Black Friday sales. So you want to add in like a bonus uh, special into your emails, some kind of surprise, like plot twist kind of thing, as Julie and Kathy say, to uh, up those sales on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you can also do gray no, uh, sorry, a 10 day deal sale, 10 day, 10 day deal. I can't remember why, or I don't know why that sounds weird saying out loud, but 10 days basically of deals um, instead of just Black Friday through Cyber Monday. That's a little bit longer. That's great for e-commerce. It's great for if you have like low ticket bundles um, that you want to sell or even medium ticket like courses. And then there's also great November and that's really good for e-com. That's really good for bundles. Um, and that's where you have an email going out almost every day of November with different deals every day. Uh, this is also great if you have a physical product that you want to sell out um, or physical products like uh, pick I see either pick your plum or pick my plum does something like that. You'll see Amazon doing stuff like that too. They have the deals in November sort of thing. Uh, so those are a few tips <laughs> just off the top of my head. I hope that was helpful. <laughs> You're so smart. I'm like a cup girl. You gave the whole, like that could have been a whole mini class in itself. I'm like, <laughs> like replay. <laughs> yeah. Like you, that, that was amazing. Um, like I'm over here, I'm like, cause it's like, we have a plan, but now I'm like, is our plan the right plan? <laughs> well, I have a checklist I can send to you if you'd like that, that'll help, like just kind of keep everything on track and keep everything in one place. If you'd like it, I'm happy to send it over. Of course. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I need a checklist. It keeps me yeah. honest. All Same. right. So check, checklist keeps me honest. Yeah. Checklist agendas keeps me on track. Okay. Um, that is so cool. Um, I'm like, I'm over here like, <laughs> I know I like gave you a lot. <laughs> like, oh my God, you're so good. Um, the retreat is, how many more slots do you have in the retreat? Zero. It is completely booked out. Um, and actually, Sorry, I, think, guys. I know, I think I'm going to start, um, looking at the next one, which I'm not sure where I'm going to have it yet. This one is in Miami cause it's January. I figure people probably would want to come down to, to Florida in January. So, but I'm not sure where the next one's going to be yet, but I think it's almost time for me to start planning it. Cause it has been a blast so far planning this first one. I have a couple of things in my, mm. we'll have a, we'll have a talk after this. Yes, please. <laughs> I have a thing that I've been thinking about. Okay. Um, okay. So big question. Are you ready? I'm ready. I feel like we talked about it a little bit. Um, fears around visibility, but we're tying in the girl that I met when I first started to the beautiful, amazing woman that I see now. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome your fears around visibility? And what things did you put it, did you put in place to kind of be like your push to put yourself out there? Okay. So um, as far as how I got over them, a lot of it was practice, which <laughs> sounds kind of lame. I feel like it's not like this magical thing. Practice. Said, but practice, I know. consistently putting myself out there. I, I started probably like mm, three or four, probably four years ago. I still remember the first live that I did. Um, a friend of mine, she was doing one live a day for 30 days. And I was like, okay, I can do that. But 
she's doing it for like five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes. I was like, there is no freaking way I'm going to do a live video for that long. And so I said, I'm going to commit to doing one minute every day for 30 days. And that's what I did. And some days I just talked about like the day because I, I didn't I didn't really have a plan or anything. My only goal was just to show up. Um, and so I didn't even have like a selfie stick or anything. I literally, <laughs> I used a tree branch and a ponytail holder <laughs> to hold my phone <laughs> so that I could do it. But like, that was the first one. And it was so awkward. Like I, it still comes up in my memories and I watch it. It's so embarrassing, but like who I was then, I'm so proud of her for doing that because it led to who I am now. And like, if that person, if that girl had not done that, like one minute a day for 30 days, there's no way I'd be here right now. And so even though it's awkward and uncomfortable and I still like cringe when I look at it, I'm so, so thankful for that video as that reminder. Um, so that, that's the first thing, but that was before we met. And so I feel like it's been a long process because I used to not share anything. I used to be really scared of that and scared of looking dumb. That was a big one for me, scared of being embarrassed. Um, but one of the things that helped me get out of it more quickly, I think, well, two things. One was uh, having a mindset coach, working with a mindset coach, and I'm an uh, external processor. So like having the space to process how I was feeling, what was going on, being aware of my body and how my body was reacting, um, not only did it help me overcome some of the mindset obstacles I was encountering, but it also helped me uh, overcome some of the anxiety that I had also that was not totally related to visibility, um, was just like something I thought I'd have the rest of my life. I still have it sometimes, but it's it's not as like in my face every day as it used to be. So that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> and then the other thing I saw um, besides practice, I saw it was like an Instagram reel or something. <laughs> and it was uh, a, it was an audio from Billie Eilish. Eilish. I don't think I said her name right. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. And she said something like, everybody's going to die. Nobody's going to remember you. So screw it. And like the whole idea of the reel was like, just go for it because you might feel like you're cringe now, but nobody's going to remember. Like at, at some point, everybody's going to die. Like that is just the, the fact. Everything like that's one of the most guaranteed things in life. Um, and so why not go for it? And that kind of helped flip a switch for me of, OK, why why am I so scared of what somebody on the Internet that I've never met is going to think of me or judge me for? And so that's that's something that helped. And then I think the other question was, uh, what fears did I have? Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, we kind of talked about that. Um, what were some of the things that you did to get over it? So I know one was like, one you said that your push was like when you dyed your hair. Yes. Yeah. So I left teaching and then I decided probably about a month or two after that, that I was going to dye my hair purple. And um, until then, I had kind of hidden a little bit. It was very comfortable for me to hide, very comfortable for me to be in the shadows. I would consider myself a behind the scenes kind of gal. Um but I think deep down, I knew that I wanted to change that. And I knew that I, I think deep down, I felt like I was I, I was here to make a, an impact um, on a millions kind of level. I'm not there yet, but I will get there. Like, I feel that deeply in my soul. And uh, the purple hair was a way for me to, I think, connect with people that felt very safe to me. Uh, because then people would come up to me and talk to me about my hair. And so I didn't feel like I had to go and talk to other people. It was like having people come to me instead of me go to them. It felt just a lot safer for me and it felt a lot more comfortable. Um, and so I kept my purple hair for, I think, four years. So between purple, purple with rainbows, purple and pink, blue, teal, like 
I had a lot of different colors <laughs> um, and they're all fantastic. They're all so much fun. And the really cool thing about it was that I felt like because I was willing to do that, even though it was really uncomfortable uh, sometimes, like especially at the beginning, it, it felt a little scary. Um, but because I did that, I had so many people that were messaging me being like, oh, I wish I could do that. And I would say, why not? <laughs> why can't you? And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I can't because of my job. And I'm like, get a different job. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but sometimes they couldn't because of their job. But a lot of people would say, I wish I was brave enough to do X, Y, and Z. And it's interesting because them saying, I wish I was brave enough to do X, Y, and Z kind of put on me where I was like, oh, I guess I am kind of brave. That's really cool. And it helped me be braver and braver. And so I recently dyed it um, back to more natural color. This is my natural-ish color. I think my natural color is a little bit darker, but going from purple to <laughs> uh, to brown was like a <laughs> difficult transition. Um, but I didn't, I don't feel like I need the purple hair anymore. I don't feel like I need it to be visible because I'm showing up for myself without it. Um, and I didn't want to keep bleaching it. So <laughs> I, it was just a good fit all around. I, uh, but yeah, the big thing is I don't feel like I need it anymore. It's funny. Um, none of you guys have, I don't, I don't think I've posted any pictures with it, but I used to have color hair too. Before. I didn't know that. What color? Um, I did. So I used to have it um, ombre. So it was like blue, purple, and then it went to like a almost like a magenta. Ooh. Or then I did like a or a lighter blue or something. So I did like I did the color at the beginning. Um, it was actually my first business. Mm. And the same reason why you did it was the way I did it. I was like, also I was selling hair too, so it made it easier to show like yeah. the colors. Like this is what this hair can do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but. Um, it was a great conversation starter that took off the pressure. Yeah. And I remember when I did it the first time, I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. And then, like, my, I remember my mom, she's like, you're about to dye your hair. You're about to do, you're about to do what? And I, <laughs> when she saw it, she was like, oh, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, see, mom? Like, I was like, we can do this. We can do this. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember using it as a conversation starter because I was scared to like start having these conversations with all these people because like mm -hmm. I do hair and stuff, but like I was as I was coming into a whole new space to pretty much say, hey, like yes, you need to want me and my product mm -hmm. I'm selling and stuff, and it was super scary starting off. But like, mm -hmm. and then now, like I feel like I never use color, or if I do color, I do maybe blonde now. Mm -hmm. But I'm like you and Kathy. I'm like, I kind of miss my colors sometimes. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. Now they have like the little cream stuff. Yep. Yeah. I literally have some too and I'm like, I need to just do it. Yeah. I don't wear, I don't wear my natural hair enough. That's why I know I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, where can where can they find you? Uh, so they can find me on Instagram. It's the queen of evergreen. Um, they can find me on TikTok which is the queen of evergreen on uh, YouTube. It's under Brittany Long. I still have my, my colorful hair under YouTube, I think, and maybe TikTok. Um, and then on Facebook, we have the Friday Off Club, uh, which is for people that want to take more time off, that want to find that beautiful balance between work and uh, the rest of their life also. Winston. Do you hear him? Yeah, Winston. <laughs> He's like, Mom. Mom, talk to me. <laughs> We've been on the computer all day. <laughs> do you want? Do you want to earn some money so you can pay? 
Gotta put I him to work. I'm like, hey, you. It's funny because like he, um, there was a couple of people that tried to get him for brand deals, and I'm like, he's expensive. We we don't work for just anything. That's right. We don't work for toys and treats. That's right. He's got to make that money. <laughs> but he has to start earning his keep. He he is thirty seven dollars a month. That's his pet rate. It's Start a membership. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Visibility Playground podcast. If you're now like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to dive into my visibility, or you're just like, I just want to assess where I am in my visibility journey, take the Visibility Vitals Check Quiz. You can go to www.visibilityvitalquiz.com. I will make sure that I put it in the show notes, but make sure that you go take the quiz, DM me, let me know how it went. Talk soon.